Hello, Lewis fans, and welcome to the Mere C.S. Lewis podcast. My name is Thornton. And my name is Andrew, and we are two brothers who enjoy C.S. Lewis and want to take themselves and others on a journey through his writings. Well, Andrew, I'll start off with some big C.S. Lewis news. We, at the time of uh, recording this, are about two weeks out from the first inaugural C.S. Lewis Reading Day, which will be on 29 November of 2023. Hey, if we had a soundboard, I'd be pumping the air horn right now. That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, really looking forward to it. I know we've been uh, publishing some mini episodes on some of Lewis's poetry, and mm. on Instagram and Twitter, we've been uh, posting, I guess, anniversaries for some of Lewis's writings, which I was surprised how many of his books were published in the fall. It hmm. It's like a vast majority of his works came out in the fall, so I just it made me wonder if there was some sort of publishing season um, in, in Britain, or if it was just he had a rhythm and it just happened to uh, turn out that they were in the fall. Or I wonder if it has to do with school or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, um, that's interesting. And so the Lewis verse is uh, banding together to promote his works, promote his life on that day. There will also be some special content released that day. Andrew and I will have a special episode that we will publish that day. And yeah, so a lot to look forward to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just love how big this community is. Um, and it's kind of sneaky big. Like, mm -hmm. I know we started this thinking that there wasn't much in the space. And then we opened up a kind of a, not a can of worms, but a can of inklings that just were ready to be discovered. Yeah, it, it's very much like Lucy stepping into the wardrobe. At first, you walk into yep. this this empty room and think that there's not much there, and you're like, "Hey, let me just go ahead and camp out in this little uh, this little space." And you find out that uh, there's no back to it. You just keep on walking, and then you discover <laughs> a whole a whole new world. And it's it's been yeah, it's been really fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll, we'll gush more about it and more about Lewis, uh, in a couple of weeks on the, the inaugural reading day. So, and I guess most of all, just want to encourage people to prepare and think about what they want to read, uh, on that day. So, oh, Andrew, one more thing before we go into the context of the book, I recently watched the movie surprised by Oxford, which is a memoir by Carolyn Weber. Andrew, I know you have not seen it yet, so highly recommend you do. And for our listeners who are not familiar with it, it is a memoir about a wicked smart woman who received a full-ride academic scholarship to Oxford to study literature. And when she arrived at Oxford, she was agnostic, but through relationships and C.S. Lewis, specifically surprised by Joy, she comes uh, to faith. And mm -hmm. so I haven't read the book yet. I am going to now, but have seen the movie and definitely recommend it. And so, yeah, we will be having a, a review episode in the, in the coming weeks, but wanted to share with you all about that movie. And we'll have a link to where you can rent or buy it in, in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, definitely wanted to let our... our listeners know about that uh really cool production man i'm excited 
Yeah. Uh, also, also, Andrew, in the Lewis world, uh, I stumbled upon a very cool little article, um, and we'll link this in the show notes. It's called C.S. Lewis Got Song 23 Wrong, mm. and which is a very clickbaity uh, title, but I, when I read it, because I had to read it, I couldn't just <laughs> right. go past that. And this uh, author had a wonderful little analysis of Psalm 23, especially talking about in Psalm 23 where it says, you make the table or you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. And he and the author uh, showed a uh, or used an episode from the line which in the wardrobe to explain it. Uh, but then also the author uh, references Lewis's thoughts in the reflection on the Psalms Mm -hmm. about um, I guess some of Lewis's criticism, not criticisms, but Lewis's analysis. Yeah. Analysis and concerns with Psalm 23. So it's a a delightful little article. I was very edified by it. So we'll, we'll link it in this show notes, but but we'll also add it to the show notes for the, the reflection on our reflection on the Psalms episode. So, um, yeah, so that's something to to look out for. Love that. Well, Andrew, yeah, so this episode, we're not doing a reflection on the Psalms. We're doing uh, Letters to Malcolm, which I, uh, this is the, my second time reading it. And it was interesting and refreshing re- going through it again uh, a couple of years later. Uh, but i just just curious uh, at a high level, Andrew, what were, I guess, some of your your main takeaways from, from the book? Uh, I, the, so the, the thing about letters to Malcolm and I guess it by extension screw tape letters mm-hmm. is I love how C.S. Lewis, um, is able to convey truth in Christian thought in really creative ways. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I guess this is at the highest level, right? But like he, and he does this a lot in the line, the witch of the wardrobe, but like mm-hmm. he integrates the apologetics philosophy, mm-hmm. all of that just super seamlessly into everything he writes. And I feel like this is a very, uh, um, what's the, I just, just perfect illustration of that. Yep. So my, uh, big thoughts were, uh, how it's 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 such a fun juxtaposition or compare and contrast uh, opportunity between this and the screw tape letters. I know, mm-hmm. I yeah, I know. I read somewhere that someone had asked Lewis after he had written screw tape if he would do it from if he would do the same thing, but from an angel's perspective, and he he thought that he was not qualified to write from an angel's perspective <laughs> but I, I i think that this is uh basically gets at the same thing like he is as we'll talk about here in a second he's very humble in his thoughts and he is very um he is, yeah he's very clear that these are just him trying to compare notes with other people mm-hmm. but uh yeah i just i thought that was just keeping screw tape in mind how that's very similar in a lot of ways or just sort of the, the inverse of it. And for me, it has challenged me uh, to pray more and yeah. in different ways. And I know at my church, we've been going through um, 
prayer series or been trying to focus a lot more on prayer. And so this book was very timely in that, uh, in that regard. And, and yeah, and I think this is one of, I guess, along with reflection on the Psalms and, and stuff, this was one of Luce's more quote practical books, or Mm -hmm. it was more about the, the life of, of a Christian rather than, um, I guess some uh, rather than about, I guess more lofty thoughts or, uh, hard apologetics. Yeah. And this one is definitely, I feel like you, you need some level of background knowledge in, in terms of Christianity to really kind of get what Lewis is driving home. Mm-hmm. But I will say he absolutely kills it with some one liners. Um, yes, as he does, and we'll we'll certainly give you some of our favorites uh, later on. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, would you like to start us off with the background and context of the work? I would love to. Well, you know, Lewis first attempted to write a book on prayer in the early 1950s to help new people um, to the faith. He saw that there were plenty of books on prayer for the religious, but not so many which answered questions a former agnostic might have or one who had not formed a regular habit of prayer. The normally quick writer, Lewis was, he struggled with this work and after a year had to abandon the project. Uh, A decade later, though, the idea of writing to a fictional Malcolm came to his mind, and in the course of a month in 1963, Lewis finished it. It would be the last book he wrote, though, passing away six months later. The book was published posthumously in 1964. Yeah, would you like to uh, start us off with an overview of the text? Let's do it. I will say, it, it is so interesting how he had so much trouble writing on prayer, Mm-hmm. And yet his commentary on prayer is some of my favorite things that he he's written. Mm, really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. But, and we did the essay. Um, uh, what was what's it called? I mean, it's the one on par- prayer. But Yeah. The efficacy. Of yes. Prayer. The efficacy of prayer. And I talk to people about that whenever they'll listen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just I find that pretty funny. But. You know, this specific text, uh, a good overview of it is, um, you know, the book comes in at around 160 pages, which comprises 22 letters from Lewis to an imaginary correspondent named Malcolm, where they talk about much, but mostly prayer. In the interest of time, we will give a short synopsis of each letter. So for the first, it's about liturgy and why to leave it alone, but how and when to change it in Lewis's opinion. The second letter, Lewis debates the relative merits of, quote, ready-made and, quote, homemade prayers. In the third, he insists there's a theological defense for praying to the saints. Quote, if you can ask for prayers from the living, why should you not ask prayers from the dead? End quote. Lewis also discusses the best times of day and places for prayer. In the fourth letter, he analyzes Philippians 4, 6, which states, bring your requests to God. Yeah, so that first quote you mentioned about praying to the saints, that's uh, something I definitely want to, uh, I guess, dig in with you uh, a little bit later on. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. In letter five, Lewis talks about how he, quote, festoons his prayers, meaning how he expands upon individual phrases. For example, when Lewis would pray, quote, thy will be done, he would add, by me now. Mm. In the sixth letter, he says that there is a danger in the concept of religion, quote unquote, because it implies it's another department of life, like the social or intellectual part. Faith is either all or nothing, he says. Absolutely. Um, letter seven is a, about petitionary prayer that is making a request to God. In letter eight, Lewis learns that the fictional Malcolm's son has become ill, which casts a shadow over the last letter. In the ninth letter, Lewis says that if our prayers are granted at all, then they're granted from the laying of the foundation of the world because God is outside of time. Yeah, these letters were particularly interesting, especially in the light that he, at this point he had lost joy and, yeah. and, and had written a grief observed. And so it's, yeah, it's fascinating to read Lewis's thoughts on prayer, knowing that, yeah, and listeners can listen to our grief observed episode and just knowing everything that Lewis went through and all the agony and uh, anguish. Uh, mm. He went through praying, praying for joy prior to her dying. And so yeah, these letters certainly take on a different hue with, with that in mind. In the 10th letter, he shares his reservation. God has instituted prayer to confer upon his creatures the dignity of being causes. End quote. In the 11th letter, Lewis tackles the embarrassing quote unquote New Testament promise from Mark eleven twenty four that quote what we pray for with faith we all will receive. Mm. In letter twelve, Lewis discusses pr the prayer of mystics, and I should note here that the word mystics that Lewis uses is not quite the same thing we might use today. Mm. In the thirteenth letter, Lewis talks uh, about if prayer is a soliloquy. The fourteenth letter shows Lewis sharing his tactics for maintaining the balance between deists and pantheists, the former who he has to show that God is in his neighbor, and the latter who he has to show that God is distinct from the things he's created. In the 15th letter, Lewis shares the mental preparation that he does before praying. And in the 16th letter, he follows up with the use of images in prayer. The 17th letter discusses prayer as adoration and worship. Mm. In letter 18, Lewis discusses penitential prayers. And in letter 19, he talks about holy communion. Letter 20 continues his thoughts on praying for the dead. He concludes the book with the second to last letter discussing how the occasional annoyance of prayer doesn't mean that we were not built for it. And in the final letter, he talks about liberal theology and why they think he's doing harm. Yeah. So Andrew, uh, what were some of the criticisms of the work? Well, on Goodreads, the book has a 3.9 out of five rating, and that is out of uh, 5,700 ratings. Yeah. Contemporary reviewers love the book and lamented that it was Lewis's last. One reviewer said that, Quote, only screw tape will be glad that Lewis has written his last letter. Hmm. End quote. 
Another noted Lewis's hallmark building of bridges, saying, quote, Lewis might be described as being concerned not only with prayer, but also taking the protests out of Protestantism. <laughs> His letters are full of practical ecumenism. And yeah, many of the reviewers at the time loved the book, as I mentioned, but also sort of treated it as eulogies for Lewis. Yeah. Okay, Andrew, so for thoughts and analysis, you mentioned some of the, the one-liners. Were, what were some of the, the one-liners that uh, were your favorites? Well, the one that just really hits me every time I re- read it is, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Mm, and why did that speak to you? Just like, I feel like because... I want to be the best person I can be and I want to be the best son and servant to God that I can be. I will like try to pray the right things Uh out of a, a, out of a heart of like, you know, trying to abide in the spirit and trying to be closer to God. Um, And, and then like, but like it's it's super ironic how like actually unhelpful that is mm-hmm. um and how much that like true honest prayers of like god i know you want me to do this and but like i really don't want to I, i'll i'm going to do it because i know you want me to do this but i'm not happy about it i don't want to do it um and so I find that, like, the first prayer I have to start with is, Lord, I want to want this. Uh-huh. Um, and, but I don't know, that just, I feel like God is just such an easy person to try and virtuously be dishonest with, which is kind of an oxymoron, but, like, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's, I, I think it's just tough to treat him like a person. Mm. you know and more and you end up treating them more like a rubric mm-hmm. or a uh, yeah a magic eight ball or yeah um or a genie in the bottle or or like sending an email to the ceo of the company like mm. you're just like trying to word it the best way you can mm. you know rather than like a your father who you have an a deep connection with and a deep relationship with, you know, mm-hmm. like I'd say like, that's how sometimes I'll phrase my prayers is like, I'm talking to uh, the CEO of the company I work for mm. um, re- through an email, right. And really curate the prayer. Mm. Um, and it just kind of, I don't know, it creates a distance that I don't think is meant to be there. Mm, okay. And so, so I just, reading this, I guess, help not be so, uh, I guess, strict with what you say? Yeah, I think, yeah, not be so strict. And and I think probably more accurately, it's just be more honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think there is a balance between like, all right, you're talking to your dad, right? Mm-hmm. But like, also remember you're talking to the king. Mm-hmm. So like you can be brutally honest 
but you don't want to step into irreverence or disrespect either. Right. Mm. Um, so I think there's, I do think there's a line there. Um, and, um, but I, I think that, uh, I had been living, I guess, a bit too more on the curated side of mm. of that line. Mm. Okay. What about you? What's some of uh, what's maybe a one liner you liked? One of my favorite quotes from the book was from the the latter half of the book, and Lewis says, "Quote: The most blessed result of prayer would be to rise thinking, but I never knew before. I never dreamed, mm. and it just." I guess one couple of the reasons why I like that was that it shows how the Lord isn't necessarily, I guess, occupied or preoccupied with getting you, giving you the results that you want, mm. uh, but just sort of forming your spirit or your soul into be yeah. more like Christ. And so, and that's probably one of the bigger lessons I've learned from Lewis uh, and has a sort of through reading him, I guess has seeped into my own soul is okay. The Lord wants to make me more like Christ and not necessarily, or not even necessarily just, he doesn't want me. He doesn't want to give me what I think I need. And, so, yeah, so as I'm praying, I'm like, if, because there, I'm, and when I read them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had that, like, I've experienced that where I have, like, I felt like I've been convicted of something or an, I, like, a, a wonderful, joyful idea has popped into my mind that I don't think I could have, I, I would have never dreamt of otherwise. And, and so it's just, it's a sort of bliss when you just sort of think of, but I never knew before I would never dreamed. Mm. And, and so, cause yeah, sometimes when you pray, it's like, okay, you're done praying. And it's like, okay, sometimes you think, okay, my life is still the same as it was before I prayed. Uh, I know in our efficacy of prayer episode, I shared a story of how someone I knew said, they didn't want to pray because it doesn't work. Mm. And because they were thinking of the results of, right. okay, you prayed for something, but the situation is still the same or I didn't get what I wanted or whatever. And a lot of times the act of praying is to mold for God, to give God the opportunity to mold your own soul. Yeah. And as, as we read in a grief observed, Lewis mentioned that, he he's he thought god was deaf or he got uh, that god didn't respond to him but then he he realized he couldn't hear god because he just was screaming so loudly or screaming so constantly at god mm. which there's a place for that but then it's like okay when you can quiet down yeah then the lord will uh, speak to you and then i think so i think that's a good segue i think that's a good segue into i guess something else I wanted to talk to you about in the letter 12 mm -hmm. when Lewis talks about uh, prayer as soliloquy, it's that uh, he reads a poem or he, he discusses a poem uh, where the poet is talking about how when he doesn't know what to say, 
the Lord speaks through him to him, mm. to himself. And I thought that was so, it, I love that poem, uh, but it's cool. It's particularly cool because it's Lewis's own poem. <laughs> Lewis is talking about a poet in the third person when it's actually him to someone else. And for our listeners, we, that was one of the poems that we recorded and published recently called simply prayer. So if you want to listen to the poem, you can go, you can pause this or after this episode, go and go and listen to that. It's a really uh, delightful poem, but that, that idea of, of the Lord, I guess when you're feeling empty, the Lord coming through you and through the Holy spirit and speaking, uh, speaking through you as if you are his dream, if to put it the way Lewis uh, did. So, yeah, I guess, Andrew, what, what did you think about Letter 12 and him, I guess, discussing that poem? Yeah, I, I think well, what I love about this, and this is something I really always try to do with Lewis, because mm-hmm. I don't want, like, he's a great thinker. He is a man of God. He's all these things. But I don't want to like elevate his work to scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And so I always try to take it back and see like, well, what scripture was he reading when he when he said this, right? And for this, you know, prayer is a soliloquy. I mean, that's just the Psalms, right? Like every single Psalm is basically just someone poor. Well, not everyone because there, there are definitely some variants, but are just people pouring their heart out to God for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as he's talking, and, but and, and, but not just doing that, but doing it poetically, doing it through art, doing it through, um, you know, a very intentional art to, con- to convey that, that prayer. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, when, when Lewis was doing that, he was trying to almost channel, channel his inner psalmist, mm-hmm. um, which I think he definitely and, and appropriately had a, a good admiration for in the psalmist. And just to backtrack a little bit on what we were saying earlier as well about, you know, prayer, and you specifically said God's will for your life uh, being about, you know, making you more like Jesus. That is actually reflected in First Thessalonians four three, where it says, "For the for the will of for this is the will of God, uh, your sanctification," and then it goes on to talk about what that means. Um, but I just want to say that, like, you know, Lewis's comments and then your comments about prayer being meant to kind of, you know, lead you into conforming into the image of Christ. That's biblical prayer being poetic and almost a soliloquy that's biblical um i mean even the prayers of jesus almost sound uh poetic right now some of that might just be translation but um sound poetic um and uh yeah so i just i love that that each, each of these, I mean, and there would be things with Lewis I disagree on and that I don't think are biblical, but f- from the stuff we've talked about so far, I absolutely think it, it's reflected yeah. in scripture. Yeah. And I, I made a mistake. It's not letter 12, it's letter 13. He discusses mm. that poem. And yeah, you were talking about the Psalms. And I know after we read Reflection on the Psalms, I have uh, 
use the Psalms to pray a lot more. And yeah, yeah especially when I'm, I'm feeling empty and don't have, don't, not that I don't necessarily know what to say. It's just, I just can't muscle up the spiritual energy to say it. And yeah. so I will sort of recite the Psalms mm. and, and, and I guess, yeah, it, it's just a interesting thought of thinking that God is speaking to himself through me. Um, so it, yeah. And in a lot of Lewis's poems, as I've been reading more of them are sort of like modern day Psalms and, and yeah. And they were very interesting to, to pair with this. Um, I also love, you know, it's just kind of, kind of taught or tie some of the, what we were talking about earlier back in the scripture as well mm-hmm. is like, you know, God doesn't speak in the earthquake. He doesn't speak in the tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, he speaks in the, the quiet. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's why it like in the Psalms, it says, be still and know that I am God, you know, this, st- like you'll hear me in the still small voice. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, it's not always, um, yeah, and, and something Lewis also talks about, and it, it brings me to one of my other favorite one-liners, mm-hmm. is like prayer isn't meant to be uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, like he doesn't say it that way, but like the way he says it is that um, this is Lewis here, quote, for most of us, the prayer in Gethsemane is the only model. Removing mm-hmm. mountains can wait. Yeah. And 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 I just love that because it's like, yeah, like there are all different types of ways to pray, reasons to pray, mm-hmm. motives for prayer, and it's expectations from prayer. And mm-hmm. so I just love that he acknowledges all of them. Yes, yeah. So that that was when I first read this book a couple years ago, that was my biggest takeaway. It was when he was Talking about Mark eleven twenty four, which says, and I'm just I'm going to paraphrase, but it was the uh, pray and it, you will be given it. And mm-hmm. Lewis Lewis's theory on or how to on how to interpret that is that that is a very advanced form of prayer for for those who are I, I know I guess he said way above him, like certainly <laughs> on. They're certainly human, and they're not. It's not just Christ, but it's uh, it's people far more advanced than him. Uh, and, mm. and and then he has that quote of you said that for most people the only model is the prayer and destiny, um, where yeah, as Jesus prayed for the cup to be passed from him and to not be crucified, and and, and the the Lord did not grant that prayer. Um, and and Jesus said. Not his will, though, but the Lord's will, and so I always try to keep in mind when I'm praying uh, about the prayer and just in me. And I guess I'll tell a little story about myself, um, about my prayer life. When I was in high school, uh, when our when our church Andrew did our mm-hmm. mission trip to Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was, we had a revival night and 
there was a woman in a wheelchair who came and was uh, praising the Lord and and was asking if us if we could pray for her and pray for her to be healed uh, to be able to walk again and we were like okay yeah we were yeah we, we said yes and some people were more excited than others some were skeptical and um, and so but we but we all prayed and we're just like okay Lord if, if you want this to happen then okay like she's willing and in long story short after I guess 15 minutes and uh, she still was sitting in the wheelchair and I thought about that for a long time and at, after thinking about it for a long time I'm like okay maybe the Lord just wants me to continue praying and so then I prayed for her every day for three years mm-hmm. and um, and I don't know like, I guess I, I lost contact with her so who knows maybe something did happen but I I don't know I just felt very discouraged by that experience of we were all on fire for God like she wanted to be healed and it and the Lord certainly has power to do it. He certainly has scriptural precedent for it. So why didn't it happen? And um, yeah, I think just the idea of this prayer and disenemy is, is one explanation for it. Uh, how the Lord, for whatever reason, did not will for her to be healed in this instance. And, but she will be healed when she... Right. Uh, when she comes face to face with uh, the Lord and so she will be healed but for now she's not um, yeah. and so and I, yeah obviously the, the Lord and his perfect will and knowledge knows all the circumstances and reasons and and stuff um, but yeah I, I think the like Lewis said the praying to send me is the only model for for the vast majority of us. And I'd be interested in other people's thoughts on that and how they sort of interpret Mark eleven twenty four because it is sort of, if I can state it this way, that verse and that promise is kind of offensive when, when you pray and then, okay, like nothing happened and you just sort of feel left out in the cold sometimes. Mm. I don't know yeah. what do you think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, right? It's it's kind of like when John the Baptist was in prison, mm-hmm. and he starts to question Jesus, and he's like, "Hey, are you actually the one who I was mm. supposed to be prophesying for?" Mm. Um, and Jesus is like, he quotes Isaiah, and he's like, "The blind will see, you know, the deaf will hear." You know, he quotes that portion, but the, he actually leaves out the prisoner will be set free. Mm. Um, and uh, it's mm. pretty interesting. That's just like, yeah, sometimes like on this side of eternity, the answer is no. And other times the answer is yes. And it's it's not ours to, you know, I guess put that together. I, I don't know. It's like. 
it it'll probably never feel satisfying, but it like you know what I'm saying. Like I think you can you can get to a point of acceptance for sure, but that acceptance can can sometimes only go so far as uh, like how close you are to the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I'm just thinking like if it were my child, I don't know how satisfying of an answer that would be. Yeah, yeah. As as I think we mentioned in Grief Observe, it's I don't know. You can talk about it, and but when you're actually in the middle of it, it's yeah. it's a whole it's, it's a different ball game of sorts. Um, yeah, it's pure faith, man. So Andrew, I guess turning away from prayer for a second, and want to ask you your thoughts on so uh, the first letter where Lewis talks about how ministers. Uh, I guess, lead their congregations. And he talks about how a lot of congregations endure uh, the ministers, the way they lead it, whether it's the doing a new liturgy or uh, saying prayers in, in a new way. And uh, Lewis talks about how that ministers are called to feed the sheep, uh, not, I guess, run them through their paces. And so I guess as a, as a former minister yourself, Andrew, just curious on your thoughts on, uh, on yeah, Lewis's words. I think in today's age, there is, um, there, there can be a trap of ministry becoming an industry. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes that clouds the focus. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of times it's a completely good and fine thing. Like I'm not, I'm not bashing a lot of the programs and resources that are created for the church. I'm not bashing that at all. I, I think sometimes it causes ministers to think a little bit more highly of themselves and the work they do than they ought. Mm. Um. And like inherently being a minister, you are equipping the congregation that the Lord gives you. Mm. Um, that is, that is the inherently what you're doing. Um, if you're doing any more, you might be straying away from that calling. Mm. If you're doing anything less, you are not fulfilling that calling. Mm. Um, but like, you are meant to equip the saints. That's what Ephesians tells us. As a minister, you are meant to equip the saints. That's why elders are, are always told to um, be, um, or that they, they're meant to be teachers. Um, and because that's, that is a, an important quality of, of uh, a minister. Mm-hmm. Um. And 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 so I it just kind of breaks my heart that a lot of a lot of churches end up getting content creators and uh, CEOs and never actually get a pastor. I'm sure enough people have uh, don't feel like they need another boss, but they they need someone to shepherd them and to guide them. And and I feel like a lot of ministers have lost the sight between those. Mm. 
Yeah, I just, I, it's funny, Lewis coming from an Anglican tradition, which is, is high church and has a lot more set liturgy than the evangelical background that you and I come from. He's, he's talking about how ministers try to jazz things up and, and, and how the congregations in, endure the quote initiatives. And I think that's something that you and I have experienced to varying degrees yeah. um, in a, in a low church setting. Uh, so it's like, oh, we thought in a, in our setting, it's it's a lot more prevalent, and maybe it is. But it's interesting listening to Lewis six, I guess, sixty years ago, uh, in a much more predictable setting, saying right. the same, saying the same things. Yeah, I guess. I mean, a lot of it's just when ego and and selfish ambition. Um, you know, take the place of, you know, a faithful heart. You, mm-hmm. it's what you get. Yeah. And is a quick aside. I, 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 even though I guess we've for the past few minutes been bashing uh, modern day ministers a little bit. I, I know you and I, Andrew, both know a lot of great ministers and even yeah, some of the ones 100%. that, yeah, and even some of the ones that we would maybe criticize for this, we still love them and have grown uh, learning from them and, and working with them. And so it's, yeah, and I'm sure if you and I were in that position or even when you were in that position, people might have said the same thing about you, about whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, for sure. And so, yeah, so. That's why I've been uh, trying to choose my words very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> Because I am yeah. not above reproach. Well, I mean, I try to live above reproach, but I am not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect by any stretch. In a similar vein, the sometimes those initiatives are sort of driven, uh, or or the or the jazzing up of the service or liturgy, if you want to call it, uh, is sometimes driven to, I guess, produce maybe some emotional. Uh, Mm-hmm. responses and stuff and that was another quote uh from the book that i really liked where lewis says emotional intensity is in itself no proof of spiritual depth mm-hmm. and 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 i guess that also goes back to what we were saying earlier about being spiritually empty and using the psalms and stuff and so i guess that's another thing i've had the i've kept in during my prayers is that that it doesn't necessarily have to be a mountaintop experience or something where I am overpowered spiritually for it to be of spiritual significance. And, uh, and just, I've had to learn like, okay, like even though you don't have to pray only on your knees, but okay, if I can get on my knees and pray and humble myself before the Lord, then that's, I'm still, connecting to the vine and uh, and that's and that's valuable and it doesn't yeah. yeah so well Andrew is there I guess anything else you wanted to share or discuss or um, I guess mention about the work well I will say to our Catholic audience mm-hmm. um, if you would like to maybe also give me a bit more reason why we should pray to the saints. Um, I'm open to hearing it. I didn't feel like Lewis was really that convincing. 
Um, and my big problem is like, it makes me feel like when, when people talk about this, mm-hmm. um, they're like, God shows favorite. Like, it's like God, sh- like God has his favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure people would say that's wrong, but uh, I mm-hmm. don't know. Like, that's how it definitely comes across. So yeah, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know a bit more accurate way of thinking about that. But. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And Andrew, can you repeat that quote that Lewis had about that? Cause you're right. That was something else uh, we wanted to discuss. Yeah. It was actually back in the third chapter. Um, right. And he, he insists there's a theological defense of praying for the saints. Uh, and this is the quote. So quote, if you can ask for prayers from the living, why should you, why should you not ask prayers from the dead? So when I read that, my thought was like, okay, yes, we as Christians we believe people have souls that are eternal, and, the, and those who have accepted Christ uh, are with Him in heaven. So Lewis is saying that, like, okay, they are still alive. Um, they're just not here on earth. But my thought is he is assuming that they can hear us. And, right. and also that even if they could, that they, I just have the wherewithal to, I guess, listen to us or just be aware of us. And, yeah. I don't think the dead are watching us. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of that same thought of like, yeah, they're, they're not focusing on us and like they're focusing on whatever the Lord is doing or whatever, whatever heaven's like. Um, so I guess that's always been my thought with praying to the saints is like, why they, they can't hear you. And, and like you, so anyway, I did, like I said, if, if our, uh, yeah, if our brothers and sisters, uh, can it, yeah, explain to us their thoughts on it. That I would, we would love that. Yeah, please, 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 please. Yeah. But um, and then I guess just the the final thing I wanted to share with I guess was a last quote that has uh, has been stirring in my mind a lot, and I, I won't give much thought on it. I just I'll just leave the listeners with this final wonderful quote. Quote, I sometimes have a bright dream of reunion engulfing us unawares, like a great wave from behind our backs, perhaps at that very moment when our official representatives are still pronouncing it impossible. Discussions usually separate us, actions sometimes unite us. Well, listener, thank you for joining us on this leg of our journey. And this is the the last book on our leg of the, the spiritual journey. And yeah, we'll in our next episode for the C.S. Lewis Reading Day, we will give more details about what what lays ahead for the, uh, I guess, the second go around the mountain. Yeah, we really enjoyed reading uh, this book. And I guess this real collection of letters. Um, and we hope that you did too. Um, next episode, 
will be our reading day. So come on out. It, it, you can expect it to be published on uh, November 29th. And uh, I, I'm, I know I'm super excited for it. I know, yeah, before this episode, listeners, Andrew and I had like an hour-long uh, discussion about the about the episode, about the future of the, the podcast, and yeah, have some uh, fun and exciting things to share uh, in sure. a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. And if you want to connect with us, we are on Twitter and on Instagram at Lewis. And you can email us at mircslewis at gmail.com. And yeah, please send us your feedback and we'll, we're going to discuss it in our, uh, in our next uh, recap episode. Uh, thanks you all and we'll see you next time. See ya.